0: So I was blessed to grow up in a
1: Christian family where my parents taught me from the very beginning the importance of not just giving uh, but sacrificial giving to God. And so, from the very earliest of ages, um, anytime I got any type of income as a kid, uh, my parents always taught me to to give to God first, and that carried with me into my teenage and adult years. And so that the question of giving was never really, "Am I going to give?" but How much am I going to give? And so as I got older, the Lord continued to work on my heart and increase my desire to to give um, financially. And that led into our our marriage as well when we began to discuss giving. So when Nathan and I started dating and got engaged, we started talking about our finances and um, just about what we wanted to give. back to the Lord through our tithes and offering and so um, we talked about what we were already giving and then what we wanted to commit to giving after we were married and um, we just wanted to make sure that um, we were just following the Lord's leading in that um, even if it was sacrificial and even if it hurt Um, but the Lord has just always been faithful since then and um, he's just always provided and through his grace we'll continue to give.
0: Very good, thank you, Nathan and Annie and uh, how many of you were here last Sunday? Give yourself a hand this morning, all right? Because you knew we were going to talk about money and you came back, or maybe you forgot all right and so i uh, it was funny last week. I really challenged you uh, to uh, be here and and I warned you, right? I warned you that we were going to talk about financial fitness, and I even told you there was going to be a commitment card in your bulletin, and some of you have already thrown it down, I've seen that. Uh, Now, get that card out for just a moment, and I'm just going to walk you through it real quickly, uh, just to help prepare you. So we're going to ask you next week uh, to turn this in, okay? And so at the close of our service next Sunday, we're going to have a time of prayer, and we're going to ask you to bring these cards forward, and you're going to lay it down here on the altar, and you're going to spend some time in prayer over that. Uh, really acknowledging that God is in control and acknowledging that that God can bless and God can provide. And so the reality is, okay. So this next week, this is really when it's going to be tough to show up, right? Next week, because if you really think about this, um, it, there's two two boxes at the top. It, it says I'm gonna, you're gonna check. I'm gonna start tithing. Some of you are gonna take this 90 day challenge that. Begins October the 7th. You're going to finish out the last 90 days of the year, the last three months of the year, putting God to the test. God, I'm going to try this tithing thing out. I'm going to test you like Scripture says, and it's, it's going to be something new for some of you. right? And I'm, I'm excited because here's what I believe. I believe that if you take this step of faith, if you take this step of obedience... God is going to show up, and you're going to have a story to tell. It's just, I've just seen it happen over and over and over again. I have personal testimony in my own life, and, and I've heard testimony after testimony of people saying, John, I didn't know how it was going to happen. I took the challenge. I did it, and God showed up. You guys got, do you want God to show up in your life? Right. And This is one area that, that Bible, the Bible says, test me. See if, see if I won't. Bless you. Okay? And so you're going to either check, I'm going to start tithing, or the second box there, I'm going to continue tithing. Okay? So the reality is, this should include everybody. Right? So what should happen next week is that we're all going to check one of those two boxes. We're going to bring it forward at the end of the invitation, and we're going to pray over it, and we're going to ask God to show up and to do more in us, and through us, and for us, all right? And so here's the the third box there, if you are interested in checking this, I'll explain it real quick. Um, So you can put your name and your email there, and the third box to check is, I want to receive encouraging emails throughout the 90-day challenge. And this could be for anyone, maybe you've been tithing for 40 years, but you just would like to receive an encouraging email, that'd be great. But it's really intended for those in here this morning that you're going to, next week, you're going to take this step of faith, and you're going to say, I'm going to try it. October the seventh. I'm going to plan. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to turn my budget upside down, and I'm going to put God first. And I'm going to bring a tithe in October. And but but I need help. I need some encouragement. And so maybe that's you. Check that box. If you don't check that box, we're not going to put you on a list and start you know sending emails about tithing. Okay. If you check that box, we are. We want to encourage you uh, in this journey. All right. So turn to First Timothy, and we're going to just do a quick review this morning of last week, and, and, and by way of review, we're just going to read a few verses of Scripture, because uh, this is the passage of Scripture that we continually went back over last week, all right? So First Timothy chapter number 6, verse number 6. The last week our message was about contentment. First Timothy 6, 6. I love hearing the pages in your Bible turn, right? Uh, I even see some glows of phones on your face as some of you are on the, the U Version Bible app, possibly. Verse 6 Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So, and, and so then Paul kind of describes what, what, what should be on our contentment list, what, what we should be content with having food, clothing, With these we shall be content. Right? So be content with what God has blessed you with. Verse 9, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for some have strayed from the faith in greediness. They've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verse 17, Command those who are rich in this present age, Not to be haughty or to brag, nor to trust in their uncertain riches. Don't trust in money, but trust in the living God, who gives all things richly for us to enjoy. Let them do good. Okay, so you've been blessed by God, so do good. How are you going to do good? That they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. I love that word, willing. God wants you to be willing to give. Do you, do you have a friend this morning you can think of that if they call and ask you to do something, even though it may inconvenience you, they have done so much in your life for you that you would do it. Like, you're on their moving list, right? If you're on the moving list, you're a top ten friend or their top ten enemy, one of the two. And, and I, I was just, that kind of thought hit me this morning when I was just sitting here, and I thought about, uh, one of the people in my life that, that I would probably do any, I think I would do anything for outside of you know a crime, but w- would be Steve Switzer. And so Steve, he he did some amazing things in my life. Outside of my parents, was was by far the greatest influence in my life to know to know God and to follow God. And if Steve called me and needed me to drive to Illinois today, uh, I might do it. No, I, I probably would do it for him. You guys have a friend like that you would just probably do anything for because they have done so much for you that you'd be willing to drop whatever it is you're doing and do it for them. Now, some of you have people in your life that you would do that for, and some of you have people in life that you feel obligated that you have to do that for. You guys have people in your life like that? Do you want me to mention who mine is? I'm not going to, all right? But we all have that person, right, that they're going to call, and you just feel like, oh, I'm obligated to go do what they want me to do. I don't want to drive to Illinois, but I feel obligated to do that. Now, let's picture giving that way. Jesus has done so much for me. He gave me eternal life. And when he asked me to give... It should, I should have the perspective, I would do anything for Steve Switzer. I'll do so much more for Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, I think sometimes when we, when we look at this thought of giving, we look at it as those friends that we feel obligated to give to. That's not how to approach God in money. When we think of what God did for us, and that God would ask us to give back of what he's given to us, we should should be willing to give. Can you say amen to that? Willing to give. It's a change of perspective. And I think too many times we look at giving as the person that we feel obligated to give to or to do something for, and we don't want to do it. Therefore, we do it with a bad attitude, or we don't do it at all. And yet we should do it. Because, what does scripture say? We love him because he first, he loved us, he loved me first. I, here, here's the reality, I don't deserve anything good in my life. I don't deserve Jesus. I, I placed my faith in Jesus when I was 17 years old, and I still don't deserve Jesus. Just because I made a choice to place in my faith in Jesus doesn't mean that I deserve anything. It's because of his grace that I get everything. Amen. And because God has given me so much, that's how, we should, that's how we should look at giving. Not as an obligation. It is a command. But it shouldn't be an obligation. It should be done because I love God. And because I love God, I want to give back to God. I want to be content, we learned last week. This week, Um, get your outline out this morning, all right? We're going to walk through our outline. It's interesting that um, I guess the stereotype of churches or people that come to churches is every time I go to church, all they do is ask me for my money. Man, you guys are right on it. Money. (laughs) And here we are the second week in talking about money. And I told you this last week, my dad used to always say from the pulpit, people get funny when you talk about money. And it's true. But here's the reality. 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables, Jesus' teachings, 16 out of 38 had to do with money. He talked a lot about money. There's 500 uh, verses in the Bible on faith and on prayer. That seems like a lot. But there's 2,000 verses in the Bible uh, talking about money and stewardship and resources. Here's what I believe. I believe the reason that Jesus talked so much about money and the reason you can find so much about money in the Bible is because God knew that this was going to be the toughest, this is going to be the greatest enemy of our heart is our money. Three principles this morning. Number one, and I think this is going to help you. I hope it will help you. Uh, and, and can I just pause for a minute before we get in the outline? I keep telling you go the outline and then going away from it, but If you believe something is going to help someone, would you tell them yes or no? I truly believe that if you will follow the principles in God's Word, it's going to help you. Okay, I don't tell you these things to benefit the budget of Hallmark Baptist Church. The reason that I want to spend three weeks talking about money and about financial fitness is I truly believe that if you'll get it, God will bless you. The more I talk to people who have been givers for years and years and years, here's what always comes back. God is faithful and you can never outgive God. That's what people tell me. That's what people who are a little farther down the road than I am, that's what they tell me. And so although it may be a little awkward for me to stand up here and, and talk about money because I know what you're thinking out there, I'm telling you this. The reason that we spend three weeks in this church to tell you is because I believe it's the ve- I believe thunder. I don't know what I believe. I believe. I believe that you're better off doing what God asks you to do, Amen. specifically talking about money. If you, if you don't trust me, then find some of the older generation in our church who've been faithful to give for 50 years in this church, and I promise you they will tell you that God has always been faithful, and they cannot give God. Amen. Talk to them if you don't believe me, okay? Now let's get to our outline, all right? Number one, God owns everything, and I'm just a steward. This will change your perspective. God owns everything, and I'm just a steward, and steward's kind of an old word. Maybe a, a word that you might understand better would be manager. God owns everything. This is a great principle. Turn me to First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29, God owns everything. Look at verse number 10. First Chronicles 29, verse 10. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, this is King David, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Now he started verse 10 with this word, therefore, right? And he's praising the, he's praising the Lord, but why is he praising the Lord? Look at verse number 9. Verse number 9, then the people rejoiced for they had offered, I would, I would underline, circle, highlight this word. They had offered willingly, again that word we already talked about in 1 Timothy 6, verse 18. The people rejoiced for they had offered willingly, they gave, okay, they're talking about an offering. They offered money willingly because with a loyal heart they had offered, what's the next word again? Willingly to the Lord, and King David also rejoiced greatly. So, this is the context. King David had built a great mansion, a great house for himself. And now he wants to build a house for the Lord, the temple. And the Lord says, Nope, you're not going to do it, but your son Solomon will do it. So, David makes all the preparations, he raises all the money so that his son Solomon can build God's house. And so he receives an offering from the people. And verse 9 describes at the close of this offering, everyone had given willingly and everyone praised because God provided. And so that's the context. Let's look at verse number 10 again. Therefore, because people gave willingly for the house of God, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord, God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Let's keep reading now. Verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For everything, all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Do you believe that all means all? So, what is King David saying? God, everything in the heavens, everything on the earth, who does it belong to? It belongs to God. Everything in the heaven and earth is yours, O Lord. This is your kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. God, you're in control. It's yours. You're the creator. You're the sustainer. Verse number 12. Both riches and honor. Again, this is King David. Very wealthy and very honored. Both riches and honor come from you, God. So everything, what David is saying is everything on the earth belongs to God And everything I have, who gave it to me? God did. And you reign over all. In In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. God, everything I have is from you. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise you. Your glorious name. Verse 14. But who am I and who are my people? Here's what most of us don't have. We, most of us don't have the perspective that you see in verse number 14. Because most of us look at giving as the guy that we, don't, we feel obligated to respond to the phone call, even though we don't want to respond to the phone call. Instead of looking at giving as, God gave me everything and how awesome it is that I can give back to him. That's what verse four, Look at verse 14. Let's read it. David's saying, who am I and who are these people? That we should be able, that we would have anything, that we would be able to offer. So there's the word again, willingly, as this. Do do you see what David's perspective on giving is? That he is blessed to have anything to even give back as an offering to the Lord. God, you have blessed me so much. and, and, And who am I that I would have anything to be able to give back to God? Verse 15. We are aliens and pilgrims before you, as well as all the fathers or days on the earth, as a shadow and without hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you house for your holy name is from your hand, and it is all your own. David is saying, everything we gave you already belonged to you. Verse 17, I know also, my God, that you test the heart. Hmm, test. You might remember that word. And have pleasure in uprightness. Ask for me in the uprightness of my heart. I have, what's the word again, willingly offered all these things, and now with joy I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. David is saying, Lord, everything I have belongs to you, and I'm just humbled, and I'm blessed to give back to you. That's amazing. And unfortunately, I think not necessarily a sentiment of most people in our culture. We, most of us, we take ownership of that money pretty quick. Well, I, I went to school. I got the degree so I could get the job so I could have the money. And who gave you the ability to get the degree, to get the job, to get the money? Right? We forget, we forget that. And it comes with some humility. God, everything I have is yours, and I'm to manage it. Changes perspective. Number two, my heart always goes where my where I put God's money. My heart always goes. Where I put God's money, I I love this, and, and I'll be completely honest with you this morning. This just jumped off as the pages I was reading this this morning. Go back to First Chronicles twenty nine if you haven't turned away from there. Verse seventeen. I know also, my God, that you are test the heart. What God entrusts us with is a test. Can I test you to be a steward or a manager to what I've entrusted you? And then David says, you know the uprightness of my heart. As for me and the uprightness of my heart, I have what? I have willingly offered all these things. I, I gave willingly. God, I, I, I think I passed the test. God, you, you blessed me with all this stuff, and you blessed me with all these resources, and you give me all these things and, 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 and honor and riches, and God, I willingly give it back to you. I want to pass that test, just as David said. And we're going to spend a lot of time in Matthew chapter 6. And verse 21 just simply says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Next week, come back next week, we're going to talk a lot about We're going to unpack Matthew chapter 6. And when Jesus was talking about where our heart is, where our treasure is, and again, I think it goes to, to understand why Jesus spoke so much about money, why the Bible has so much about money, because it is the number one competitor for your heart. Our, our possessions, our money, our materialism. It's the number one competitor for your heart. And so come back next. We're going to talk about it. My heart always goes where I put God's money. Let's look at number three. Giving is the only antidote for materialism. Giving is the only antidote for materialism. Do you know in America, only statistics tell us that only 9% of of us actually tithe, 9%. Uh, Last week, uh, it was mentioned to me, man, you kind of threw everybody under the bus. You you remember the statement I made last week? I didn't have intentions to say it. It just kind of came out. I'm going to give the Holy Spirit credit for that. But I said, half of you haven't even figured out this tithing thing. You remember me saying that? Some of you glared at me, right? Well, according to statistics, I was very generous. Because according to statistics, 91% of us haven't figured it out. That's alarming, isn't it? Listen to these, a few numbers, all right? In 2005, in 2005 on record... uh, is one of the greatest years of giving in America. And the reason why was at the end of, in December of 2004, was the, the major tsunami in Asia. Tsunami in Asia. Uh, and then in 2005 is when Hurricane Katrina hit. And so there was a lot of reason to give. And, and so Americans gave a lot of money um, that year. In fact, $7.4 billion was given in 2005 for disaster relief from America. That's pretty amazing. $7.4 billion. And it sounds great, right? But you know I'm telling you that because it's not great, okay? And let me tell you why I'm setting you up here. That same year in America, we spent $30 billion on pizza. The commercials came on and we saw all the news of all the, the tragedy all over the world. And we, we gave generously $7.4 billion. In that same year, we consumed $30 billion worth of pizza. I mean, I love pizza, but come on. That same year, we gave $5.3 billion to World Missions, which sounds great. But, but annually, we, we spend $9.4 billion on movie tickets. Annually, $40 billion is given through churches, which is great. $40 billion annually given through churches. But we spend $72 billion on, on soft drinks. Or soda, some of you may say. Or Texans. Coke. $72 billion. $40 billion, we, remember we spent, so we give $40 billion a year annually to, to missions, or through churches, excuse me, but we spend $72 billion on drinks, not alcoholic drinks, $40 billion a year on pets, $50 billion a year on weight loss, eat less pizza, we won't have to spend that money, I mean, that's pretty good, that's... So 9% of the people tithe, you know what the average person gives per year to their church? $600. $13.31 a week. That's like two venti iced lattes at Starbucks. And, we, and, and, and just let me, let me be really candid for a moment. We sit here and say we can't afford to tithe, we can't afford to give. But we spend more on coffee than the average person gives to the church every single week. Remember we started last week saying if I, if I was going to get physically fit, if... I was going to get physically fit, that it was going to maybe take some sacrifice, and it may take a change of life, and it may take uh, some habits may have to change. And here's the reality. It, for some of you in the room this morning, if you're going to take this challenge and if you're going to decide, I'm going to test God and I'm going to give and I'm going to tithe, in order for you to do that, guess what? You may have to make some lifestyle changes. Because the average American spends $1.14 for every dollar they spend. You may have to make a few changes. You may have to drive past Starbucks a few times this week in order to make the commitment, in order to give. You may have to, as I said, Dave Ramsey always says, turn your budget upside down. Give God first. Because if you wait till the end, it's not, it's not going to happen. Trust me, it's not going to happen. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. I think about this verse, to whom much is given, much is what? Required. We, we've been blessed. I'm going I'm to give you the website again. I gave it to you last week, globalrichlist.com. If you haven't gone to that yet, go to it, and, and you're going to prove to yourself that you're rich. Okay? You don't believe me. You don't believe you're rich, but go to globalrichlist.com and put in how much money you make every week or month or whatever it might be, and I promise you're going to be rich. You're going to, you're going to understand you're rich, all right? And to whom much is given, much is required. Here's a thought. Maybe God prospers me to raise my standard of, not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. Think about that for a minute. Maybe God has blessed me, not so that I can raise my standard of living, but so that I can raise my standard of giving. Maybe God has blessed me so that I could bless others. We said this statement last week. God wants us to be a, a river, not a reservoir. God is blessing us so that we can bless others. And, and just the American way, that, doesn't, that's, that just goes completely against the American way. you got to raise so you need to get a bigger house. you got to raise so you need to get another car. you got to raise so you need to you know just fill in with more junk. And because you have more stuff, now you've got to rent that storage unit we talked about last week, right? So where do I start? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Number one, as we continue walking down our outline, number one, tithing is a test. Turn with me to Malachi chapter number three. Malachi chapter number three. If you don't know where that is, go to Matthew and then turn back a few pages, all right? So last book in the Old Testament there, all right? Right there at the end. Okay? Malachi chapter number 3. Verse number 6, "...for I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. You from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances." That's, that's never a good thing. If God tells you to do something, you probably ought to do it. You've gone away from my ordinances, my laws, my commands. You have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Okay, God, Well, what, what areas are we not obeying? Question, verse number 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. This is God talking to the nation of Israel. You have robbed me. That's pretty clear. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God would answer to his people in tithes and in offerings. Then God goes on and gets a little more into this. Because you have robbed me with your tithes and offerings, verse 9, you were cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now, this says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. This is the only time in Scripture that God says, test me or try me. Look at verse 10 there. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, and there may be food in my house, and try me or test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Try me, test me. And, And again, it goes back to what David said when we read in 1 Chronicles 29 there. David said, you have tried my heart, and I hope that I've passed the test because I have willingly given to you. And so God expects, God commands, God wants us to tithe, and it's a test. Do I trust God or not? Am I willing to turn my budget upside down and put God first? Am I willing to say that even though I don't, even though the math doesn't make sense, that I believe God can provide? I love the statement there. I don't, I don't know where I got this from, but I've had it a while there on your bulletin, just under number one. Tithing is a test, and it says God's math makes no sense, but makes complete sense. Ninety percent. Blessed by God goes a lot farther than 100% not blessed by God. Now, I'm going to say that again because I, I know some of you just don't understand that. Because it doesn't make sense. 90% blessed by God will always go farther than 100% not blessed by God. So God's putting you to the test But God clearly in Malachi here says, put me to the test. God says, take this 90-day challenge and see if I don't prove myself faithful to you. God always proves himself faithful. God wants to test our faith, and in testing of our faith, God will always come back as he is the one that's faithful. Place your faith in the one that's faithful. It's a test. Number two, tithing is biblical. We we walked through a little bit of the Old Testament there, but the truth is tithing was in, in place and expected before there ever was a law. Okay, before Moses ever got the law, there was tithing. Okay? Of course, during the law, there was tithing. And then after the law, I believe that God still expects us to tithe. What what Jesus said in Matthew chapter twenty three and verse twenty three says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay a tithe, so he mentions the tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you have, should have ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So again, Jesus would also agree that the, the, the tenth or the tithe, first fruits. it was in place before the law, it was a part of the law, and then now Jesus is saying after the law, in the period of grace, the day of grace, God still, Jesus said himself, he affirmed, you should still tithe. And I know that, that some would, would say that they would lean more towards what is called as grace giving. Okay, I don't believe we're under the law, we're under grace, and I would agree to that. Okay, I'm, I'm glad we don't have to live up to law. Can you say amen to that? But here's what I want you to understand about grace giving. I would, I would agree with you to grace giving if you will concede this, that in every aspect of of the New Testament, when law is compared to grace, the standard of grace is always greater than the standard of law. In the Old Testament, thou shalt not murder. the New Testament, thou shalt not think evil of anyone. The Old Testament, thou shalt not commit adultery. New Testament grace, thou shalt not even look at a woman because you've committed adultery in your heart. You see the standard raised every time under grace? Old Testament, The lamb, the spotless lamb, was killed, and every year another one had to be killed. New Testament, the Lamb of God was killed. Was the Lamb of God a greater standard than this actual lamb? Yes or no? Yes. Every time. So I will concede to you that I believe in grace giving, but I don't think you could say grace giving even exists until you get to ten percent. It's the starting point. It's the it's it's the starting blocks of giving. The command, I believe, is is the tithe, but the goal is generosity. The command is tithe. The goal for all of us is generosity. And I would not stand up here and and preach three weeks on giving if I didn't give myself. And if, if anyone did get up here and preach on giving and didn't give themselves, you probably ought to just let them go. I was blessed. My story is similar to what Danny and Nathan, heard Danny and Nathan's story, and both Joy and I, we, we grew up giving, and every time my, my dad would give me a dollar, it was usually in change so that I could give 10 cents back. And, and I'm very thankful that, that I had parents that taught me at a young age. And when Joy and I first got married and actually made hardly any money at all, guess what we did? We tied, And we gave to Missions. We've, not, we've never just given 10%. Since we've been married, we've always given above that. And, and over the years, we've been able to increase that. And the Lord blessed us last year. We were able to give 20% of our income back to God. But I don't want it to stop there. Because the command is 10%, but the goal is generosity. I want to grow in my ability to give Every year. I want to give more this year than I did last year. The truth is, I love God more this year than I loved him last year. He's been good to me. He's been faithful to me. And he's like that friend that calls and says, I need help, and I'll do anything. Is Jesus that important to you? Tithing is biblical. The next one, number three. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. I already got to it. It's it's only the beginning. Tithing is a blessing, and it's only beginning. I'm gonna read one verse of scripture this morning, Second Chronicles 31, verse 10. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people So I'll I'll give you a quick history. The The new king comes in, he finds the law. He brings it out. He explains to everybody, hey, we're supposed to be tithing. We're not doing that. We need to tithe. So the nation of Israel begins to do what they were supposed to have done, but no one knew. Well, maybe they knew and they didn't want to tell, right? But the king now is like, this this is what the Bible says, we're to tithe. And so now here later he wants to have an account. So what's been going on since people started tithing? Are they surviving? That's really what he's investigating here. So verse 10, Azariah, the chief priest, who's been asked a question from the house of Zadok, answered the king and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings in the house of the Lord, we've had enough to eat and have plenty left. Look look what the next statement. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. God's, God's math is fuzzy math, Right? It's the new, this new common core math, right? It doesn't make sense. You mean, if I give 10%, you're telling me that not, that 90% blessed by God is better than the 100% not blessed by God? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. And God's proven it to me since I was a little kid. And if I t- as I t- have testimonies and talk to these people who are ahead of me, they always say, God has always been faithful, and you cannot give God. I want you to watch another video this morning.
1: When I was a kid in church in Hallmark, um, I remember in the sanctuary we had a placard on the front right, and in that on that placard it had uh, total attendance, it had the number of visitors and it had um, total uh, general admissions and total offering every week. And it showed the, the offering from the previous week. And I remember in the 80s, I, I worked for, I did a, had a lawn service and I worked around the neighborhood and there was one woman that I worked for. And I remember one of the conversations we had when, we were kid, when I was a kid is she asked me, how, many, how much offering um, per week did uh, Hallmark give? And I, remember, I could answer that because I knew. Um, looking at that placard, I knew exactly how much we had the week before and what the attendance was and I remember her response was, "Are you sure because i don 't a church that small shouldn 't be given that much money That made an impact on me, and as a kid i remember I remembered that and I, I thought I was impressed with hallmark and 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 how much they gave as a kid as an adult, um, I carried that offering into my adult years, and um, I I gave an offering, but I didn't tithe like I should. I went through times in my life that I did tithe, but um, mostly just gave an offering enough to make myself feel good. Um, And I remember after getting married, Christy and I got married in 2000, and it wasn't uh, probably two or three years after that, that um, Christy approached me and, and said, we need to start tithing, our full income. And up to that point, she had already been tithing um, for a while and check? No. her check and um, and then I remember you know struggling with that that um, thought and am almost angry with the thought because I knew the numbers well and I informed Christy our budget was so tight that it just that couldn't we weren't gonna be able to do it and And I remember telling her, I was angry about it. I I was angry about having to tithe. (laughs) Um, But I remember telling Christy, okay, we're going to put God to the test. And um, when we made that decision and when we started uh, tithing, um, a number of things happened. Um, First of all, um, we started seeing things happen um, in the budget, in the numbers that were unusual. And I remember multiple on multiple occasions, Christy and I would say to each other, that was God. That was a God thing, multiple times. And then also God started working on our hearts where the needs or the wants, we focused more on what we truly needed. And, um, you know, in after I graduated from college, um, you know, they focus on wealth, wealth management, or wealth increasing your wealth. And, and I remember that was my focus and it was a, really a transformation for me. I had to train myself not to think about um, being wealthy, but um, being a good steward um, and, and, and focusing on what I, what we needed and not what we wanted. And I think about um, the elders in the church um, and when you hear them say, um, God is faithful, and I've heard that all my life, and I've heard all the stories of tithing all my life, and it, until experiencing it for myself, I, I didn't know what it was, what it meant, but I, going through it now, I know what it means.
0: Would you pray with me this morning? Thank you for this day. And Lord, we're thankful this morning that you are faithful. Lord, we're thankful this morning that you've proven yourself over and over and over all these years. And Lord, I pray for those in here this morning that are that you are you. I know you're stirring their heart, Lord. That you would just impress on them, Lord, to take a step of faith, to test you, to trust you. God I want to see these I want to see every individual in here walking in obedience so they could experience your faithfulness and your blessings on their life As we're in the spirit of this prayer this morning our eyes are closed I just want to just speak to you for a moment This morning, our our time of invitation, I just want to maybe just prod you a little bit. Maybe uh, God has all these years been faithful to you, and maybe this morning would be a great time just to come forward and pray. And just to thank God. God, you've been faithful all these years, and I want to thank you. And just come forward and pray, and and just be a testimony to people, praying on on the faithfulness of God. And, And maybe this morning, though, you're in here, and you're wrestling with this idea. 90-day challenge, Hmm. the budget doesn't show that. I would also encourage you this morning, take an opportunity this morning to come down and pray. God, give me the courage. God, give me the strength. God, give me the ability to take this this big, massive step of faith that I'm going to trust you in my finances. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. It just simply says, Lord, I need you. And here's the truth. Everyone in in the room this morning, you need God. Whatever the next step of faith you have is, you need God. If it's just to be faithful in giving another week, you need the Lord. If it's to take this giant step of faith, you need the Lord. And this morning during our invitation, if you've never given your life to the Lord, we sang a lot about it. We sang about the forgiveness of Christ this morning. And maybe you don't know what that means. I'm going to be right here this morning. If, if you would like to give your life to the Lord, I would love to show you how to do that. But as a church this morning, let's just thank God for his faithfulness. Let's seek God for courage to have faith. Would you stand with me this morning, and we're going to worship, and and we're just going to sing, Lord, we need you. As a church, we need you. As an individual, we need you. In our finances, we need you. With our kids, we need you. Lord, in college, I need you. Lord, I need you today. Let's just worship. Let's cry out to God.